How's it going, everybody? This is Unanimous Indecision. I'm Joshua Troop, and we've got a fun show for you here today. The Shang-Chi new MCU movie trailer drop, or I guess it's a teaser. I don't really know the difference between a teaser and a trailer nowadays because uh, it's two minutes long. So we'll be getting into that. There's also a ton of other news stories. But before we do any of that, just uh, in case this is your first time listening to us, I want to give you the rundown. Uh, there are two ways you can find us. One is in podcast form on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts are sold for free. The other is on twitch.tv slash unanimous indecision, where you can catch us live, uh, where we record this show on Wednesdays, 5 p.m. Eastern time, uh, doing a movie reviews, talking some movie news. And then on Saturdays, we do an additional show, usually breaking down a TV show. Right now, we're working on The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The finale is this Friday, so we will be talking about that on Saturday on noon Eastern time on Twitch. So don't forget to catch us live so that you can share in the conversation and share your thoughts um, and any theories about what's going on there because it's all fun to talk about. Um, or, But on this show, we do a movie review, we t and then we talk movie news for about the past week. This week's movie is The Voyager's. Uh, new movie, Colin Farrell's in it uh, for a short amount of time. Um, we do spoil uh, things on this show uh, because the, the idea is to just talk about a movie in its full length. Um, just no, no holds barred, you know, so, so there will be spoilers. Uh, this show, I am, I, I keep saying we, I normally have people here with me, but this week it's me by myself. Uh, Taylor and Ian are busy. So it's just me. It's like the olden days. My old my old reviews from like two years ago uh, when I was talking like the two worlds. Yeah, that Korean movie, like stuff like that. Uh, so let's get into the Voyagers. Uh, first things first, it's it's an interesting story. It's an interesting premise that like humans are uh, so the world's dying, all that good jazz that sets up a movie. Uh, and then they decide to send, I forget how many people it is, but they're sending a certain amount of people to a different planet that will take, it's like an 86 year journey. And so instead of, you know, picking people from, from the audience that is humanity, they decide to, uh, breed they they decide to make test tube babies and so that they won't miss earth um so these test tube babies have never seen earth never experienced earth uh barely experienced anything outside of their little like uh laboratory um and they're supposed to just go on their own until colin farrell's character um which to be honest i don't remember his name i don't remember half the characters names uh, that that I think is a slight problem on the movie is that like the the movie really only emphasizes Christopher, Zach, and Salos. I think is how you say it. Um, it anyone who's not those three characters sort of doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, it's harsh, but uh, yeah, that's kind of the way it felt a little bit in the movie, uh, which is a little weird. I think, but uh, they, they were telling a very specific story. And so Colin Farrell's character, Richard, there we go. Uh, he 
decides to accompany him because he wants to he, he wants to raise him. He he's been involved with this project since their uh synthetic conception, I guess. And so he wants to continue to raise them and look after them. Uh, and then for some reason, some decision was made by the government, by NASA, whatever it is, <laughs> uh, whatever. Uh, yeah, I guess the government, they decided that the, the kids should be. Uh, I'm trying to even think. Not sterilized, but uh, emotionally sterilized, I guess. But they they drink this blue liquid, as you see in the trailer, and it uh, makes them more docile and susceptible to orders and following the plan, as it's said in the in the movie. Uh, which is weird to me. I don't know. I feel like <laughs> anytime you arbitrarily restrict, like freedoms if if anyone ever especially when it's something so easy like it could have been something like they do the research to not take the drink but like what happens if there's just like a problem on the ship to where they like like a pipe bursts like that could happen um considering something much worse happens on the ship like a, a pipe bursting could happen to where they can't get the blue liquid and then like that if they all got it at once and didn't know what was going on, like that would could have been way worse than even what we saw. Um, it's very, very Lord of the Flies, uh, a little bit of Animal Farm kind of storytelling. Uh, and I start, I haven't read Lord of the Flies in a really long time, but uh, there's a lot of similarities to it. I think anyone who watches the movie will tell you it's Lord of the Flies. Um, now, I think Lord of the Flies is a great story. Uh, that being said, I don't remember the characters being that interesting in Lord of the Flies either versus this movie. Um, it's mostly focused on like what the characters like represent um, order versus chaos and Zach and Christopher's relationship. Um, and then also that, but there's a lot of other layers with their desire for Sela and then also Sela's uh system of acknowledging things kind of being that middle uh to a certain extent even though like she very much seemed i don't know it was it is a little bit weird because like throughout the movie it felt like zach is like the worst of it zach's just pure chaos like um give me satisfy my current needs christopher is like to me christopher was the middle Christopher was like, yeah, I want to satisfy my current needs, but certain things have to be done. And then Sayla was the one that was still kind of following all the original rules. Like, I think she was, it, it seemed hinted at that she was like the last one to stop drinking the blue liquid. Um, and so it's weird that she's the one that ends up being in charge at the end, since like, in theory, it's the middle, which was Christopher, or at least it seemed like. But because Christopher and Zach were at such odds, yeah, I guess it did make sense for Christopher not to be in charge at the end. Um, but yeah, and then Zach kind of weaponizes all the kids' fear against them, against each other. Uh, the fear of this alien that is aboard the ship, uh, which is a lot like, I think in Lord of the Flies, it's, it's a pilot. I forget... I forget whether the pilot's dead or alive, but there there was a body. 
um, that I think scares all the kids in Lord of the Flies. And so it's very much like that, that it was like, it doesn't really matter because he can't do anything to you. And that that's what the point was in Lord of the Flies. In this, it's an alien that no one ever sees and it's just talked about. And then it becomes this whole witch hunt and very McCarthyan that like, oh, I don't like you. It could be you. You could be the alien. And uh, I like to think that like adults would be able to uh, <laughs> to be like, no, this is ridiculous. But at the same time, no, I, I think it's human nature that that a lot of us, um, I like to think I'm, I'm above it. But I think when people start throwing accusations around, um, it causes the the accused people to get very defensive which almost legitimizes the accusation to a certain extent not not necessarily the accusation to that person but the the accusation of the alien existing at all uh because like the defense is like well i'm not the alien well then there is an alien right um and so like the defense should be there is no alien so how could it be me rather than i'm not the alien um but yeah, it causes a lot of problems, becomes very divisive. They become very tribalistic uh, and so on and so forth. And then I want to say it was, I can't remember half the kids' names from Lord of the Flies, but I want to say it was Piggy was like the voice of reason um, back in Lord of the Flies. And I'm pretty sure he dies. Um and some very similar happens in this movie with uh, I'm looking at the IMDb page because I don't know if her name was said very often in the movie. Like I said, most of the kids names didn't matter. <laughs> uh, but Phoebe, uh, she's the voice of reason in this one. And uh, lo and behold, the voice of reason kind of has to bite the dust to a certain extent. Um. And then it becomes this kind of like thrilling hide and go seek chase. Um, if any of you have played the game Among Us, I'm not that big of a fan of Among Us, but uh, I was kind of hoping Taylor would be here for this because uh, he plays Among Us quite a bit with his friends. Uh, and so uh, I, I wanted to kind of know his take, but yeah, it kind of had an Among Us vibe with everyone like accusing each other of being the alien or being the imposter in that game and then there's a lot of vent travel and so uh i was like wow this might actually be like i wonder if people consider this as an among us video game adaptation if it's a good one uh considering that video game has like no story whatsoever so uh to give it like the lord of flies story i feel like that's that's pretty cool um but yeah i mean i like the movie i mean mostly just because i like the story the story's a it's an old one uh, we've seen it a couple of times and I don't really get tired of it, um, but we don't see it too often in movies. I feel like I feel like now the Lord of the Flies story has kind of downgraded to a to a TV show episode, uh, which I feel like is a little bit unjustified because it's like now granted, I think one of the greatest interpretations of Lord of the Flies um, is the Simpsons version of it. I think that's a great interpretation of it. It's very simple. It's very uh, on the nose, but uh, and it's pretty funny. But yeah, I mean, like we, we, I feel like there's not too many movies that go fully into the Lord of the Flies uh, 
complete butting heads of it all. Like some movies get close, but to make it your whole premise and to devote to it, I mean, it doesn't happen often. Um, and I mean, sure, some people go see movies to see something new. I mean, there's a new skin on an old story. I mean, the old story is on an island. Um, so this is being in a sci-fi. They're still isolated in space as opposed to the ocean. Um, but uh, it, it's different. It's more sci-fi. There's a lot more technology going on. Um, they're shooting each other instead of, I don't remember what they did in Lord of the Flies, spearing each other, hitting each other with rocks. I don't remember what it was. Um, but I think the cast does a pretty good job. I mean, I, I kind of believe everyone's like worry and anger and their emotional outbursts uh, for the most part. Uh, I should say at least the main cast members, but with uh, Christopher, Sela, Zach, um, and like I definitely believe them. Some of the other actors, it's a little lackluster, but uh, I don't mind it. Uh, I mean, it's not. I don't think this is a crazy budgeted movie, so I, I wasn't expecting too much. I also didn't recognize most of the young actors um i mean isaac hempstead right from game of thrones is in it but um and then ty sheridan lily rose depp um i'm trying to think what i've seen fion whitehead in but i can't think of it off the top of my head but other than those four i can't say i necessarily recognize the rest just off the top of my head um and so from that aspect like i don't know i thought it was cool um it's an enjoyable movie. I, I, I watch movies for stories. It was a nice story. Um, the only thing that got me thinking is the end where their uh, Salah says like, yeah, but how do we make sure this doesn't happen again? And it got me thinking that I almost wonder if there was a better way this could have been told with this sort of concept that it was an 86 year because we're kind of implied that it's an 86 year journey. It happens in their first year or something. Uh, there might've been a time card. I don't remember. Uh, or no, no, no. It happens a couple of years later. My bad. Uh, yeah, there's a time card. Uh, and so like this happens and she says, how do we make sure this never happens again? And then it jumps to 86 years later and they made it to the planet and most of them actually survived to see it is what it seems. <laughs> and that's, I think the part that's a little weird to me is that like a lot of them are just like, yeah, what's the point? We're never going to see this new planet. I, I don't know if they ever said how far that other planet was. They just say three generations. And I guess three generations in my mind was like over a hundred years. And so I kind of figured that none of them, statistically would survive past like a hundred and so none of them would actually see the planet so it's a little weird to me that it was only like an 86 year journey to where some of them definitely survived and saw the planet like well yeah then then their their whole argument was nullified like their their whole argument and yeah they're kids so they don't necessarily make the most logical arguments but then again adults don't either so uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's just a little weird to me because their entire argument was like, we're not going to see any benefit of this weird. And, and that was weird is that like they were such an intermediary part. I really didn't see the purpose of why there were so many of them. Why didn't they just take the test tubes? Why didn't they just shoot 
shoot test tubes into an empty rocket and then and it's time released and when the rocket lands on the other planet then it grows the children i guess because you need someone to raise them and so they're yeah but yeah it's just weird um so then they their purpose their sole purpose are to be parents and then the second generation's sole purpose kind of is to be parents so that the third generation can do things the right way or not the right way, but the, the, the way we're more accustomed to, I guess, in like raising children and having a life on a planet as opposed to just on this spacecraft. Um, but yeah, so, so like, it's kind of weird that they survived. I don't know. I, I just think that's, that's weird. Uh, since they were also like hopeless about it. And then they're looking out the window at the end of the movie. Um, what was the other thing? I had w another thing about that as well. Uh, man, I'm losing it. Normally I can just pass it off to Taylor E and to talk about, I, I don't want there to be just like a radio silence. Um, when they, I'm trying to start sentences to see if I can connect my thoughts together. Uh, this probably sounds super goofy, but <coughs> oh, my throat. I'm going to get some water real quick. So they, yeah, and then they resolve it and uh, Sayla says, how do we make sure this doesn't in happen again? And it appears not to happen again in this story that we're told, but I, I got to thinking when when they showed that scene that I was like, I wonder if there was a better story to tell. Maybe it causes the movie to be a little longer um, and you rush this story that was told a little bit. And what if you have it be a generational Lord of the Flies? Since like Lord of the Flies is a very uh, human nature kind of story about like um, uh, Taylor and I have talked about this before, but uh, it was like the preservation of oneself versus the preservation of the group. And the thing is, they're both good. There are pros and cons to both of them, but they're both very situational. And the problem is you have to make the distinction between when you should be preserving yourself versus when you should be preserving the whole group. Uh, and, and every person has a different line for where that is. Zach's obviously is very much just the preservation of oneself. And I guess the argument is that Christopher's is very much just the preservation of the group. Um, and say Leslie's and the middle is supposed to be, you know, the compromise to win. Okay. You, you don't have to drink the blue liquid. You don't have, you can actually enjoy life's pleasures. Um, but you also, we do still need to, you know, make the ship work. <laughs> uh, so it's the combination of the, prioritizing yourself versus prioritizing the group um you got sometimes you gotta do both you, you gotta pick and choose depending on the case um rather than just all one side or all the other and so i think it could have been interesting if they showed this since it is very uh, such a human nature thing and they're in such isolation from like the rest of humanity that and they the entire setup was that there's going to be three generations I think it could have been interesting um, almost 
it's obviously a different story, but like in East of Eden, they cover, I think like three generations, maybe it's four uh, in that story by John Steinbeck. Um, and it's this Cain and Abel story um, throughout the generations. And that's a very human nature story. So kind of the same thing here that you have this group um, and they have their spat that results in Richard dying. And it, you have the Zach versus Christopher going at it and Sayla's rules come up at the top but then obviously eventually the next generation comes up and how that affects and then you also have like the new generation versus the old generation dynamics and i just feel like you you there, there's i i think it was a good story because i mean lord of the flies isn't a bad story um but i think i i with <laughs> i didn't know i wanted it until the movie showed that like the movie put it into my head that I could have had something better, which is the, how do we stop this from happening again? Well, the truth is like, sometimes it will just happen again. Um, and we, we do our best kind of thing as humanity. Um, and so I think it, it would have been interesting. And then maybe by the third generation, they decide to just like really talk things through, talk things because like the whole catalyst of the first generation is that like um the corporation is lying they're doing the blue fluid they're um keeping secrets about a lot of other things on board and so by the last generation they're a lot more collaborative maybe um i don't know but uh, that's just my take um on that one line at the end of the movie that just made me go Hmm, I could have had I could have had that story where how do we stop this from happening again? Well, it happened again. So <laughs> looks like we'll have to answer this question. Um, yeah, that's just my thoughts. Um, I don't have too much else to say. Uh, honestly, this is probably going to be a shorter show than usual uh, because I don't have Taylor Ian to go to go back and forth with. Um, and I mean, I can't talk forever. But uh, yeah, so, oh, the other thing just before I move off, it, it's weird. Uh, they, they do something in this movie that's weird. I understand what they were trying to get across, but I don't know how, how like, I think it should have been done, but I just don't think I was too fond of how it was done. <laughs> um, it's one of those things you complain about a problem without offering a solution. Uh, how like as they were experiencing new emotions, um, the uh, whenever they were like experiencing new emotions, they there would be like waves crashing or a volcano exploding, and it would just like cut to uh, this very uh, comparative emotional state of like nature and whatnot, um, and it kind of felt like uh, what's a uh, a York's peppermint patty or a, an icebreakers commercial. <laughs> uh, and so like those cuts I thought were a little weird. I don't know what a better way to do it would have been, but like, I don't know. It's just weird. Cause we were telling this like very isolated space story. And then, uh, and then we have these cutaways to volcanoes exploding. There being landslides or, uh, a frog jumping. I don't remember what half of them were, but uh, a plant growing, plant receiving water, rain, and stuff like that. Just like, 
all these natural events that like we have kind of emotional attachments to, but um, yeah, I don't know. Is it, it was weird though. Uh, I thought it was weird, I guess, but uh, may, maybe it wasn't uh, just, just my thoughts on that. Uh, that's probably my review for the Voyagers. I like it. I mean, uh, I think Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings. Yep. That's it. It's because we have a Lord of the Rings news story later, I believe. Uh, Lord of the Flies um, is a story that hasn't been at least done so like exclusively. Like I guess it's sometimes small parts of other movies or a, uh, or a TV show episode, but uh, been such the main focus of this story. Um, I feel like it's been a while since since we've had a movie so so i think it's cool that, that we finally got a a modern movie about it granted the movie sort of takes place in the future so tough to call it modern but a modern made movie uh so yeah i that, that's my thoughts on the voyagers voyagers here it says voyagers i could have sworn on uh the movie theaters website said the voyagers so honestly i have no idea whether there's a the or isn't there um but yeah, so this is the part of the show where just before we get into the movie news stuff for the past week, uh, where I remind you all, and hopefully you've already done this, uh, to rate, review, subscribe, wherever you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are sold for free. Also, follow us on twitch.tv slash unanimous indecision so you can find out anytime we're going live or anytime we've posted a new episode. Uh, also, like the Facebook page, join the Facebook group. That's correct. Uh, I was thinking about it in my head, trying to word it. But uh, yeah, do those things so that you could stay in tune with all this movie movie fun uh, that we're doing. Uh, so let's get into this last week's movie news. There, there's some exciting stuff right out of the gate. Um, Last week we were talking about Indiana Jones Five that that it's still happening and uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge uh, is uh, co-leading with Harrison Ford, which is cool. Um, additionally, we got another cast member, uh, which I'm super excited about, is Mads Mikkelsen, who I believe it, he's supposed to be the villain, is what I'm seeing reports of, uh, which is really cool. Uh, I think 2022 is going to be the year of Mads Mikkelsen villains uh, because he'll be the villain of Fantastic Beasts 3. That's right, Ian. I had to mention it this episode. Uh, I haven't mentioned Fantastic Beasts 3 in a while, so we got to make sure they're still making that movie. Uh, so uh, he's the villain. He's taking over Grindelwald from Johnny Depp in Fantastic Beasts 3 and then potentially the villain of Indiana Jones 5. <coughs> oh, excuse me. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the more and more stuff, I'm just getting excited for this. I still want to hear that Shia LaBeouf is coming back as Mutt um, or Henry Jones III, whatever you want to call him, uh, because I think that that father-son story is, is really cool. And I mean, Last Crusade is my favorite of the uh, Indiana Jones movies. Uh, because of that father-son dynamic with Harrison Ford and Sean Connery. Uh, it's something I really like. Uh, so to see it with Harrison Ford and Shia LaBeouf, I, th that's something I really enjoy in Last Crusade. Uh, in uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah, I know. I, I'm probably one of the few people that likes that movie, but whatever. Uh, 
And so uh, the the other thing that's really exciting about this movie, I talked a little bit about it last week, but I'll bring it up again since we have this news story, is so James Mangold is directing. It's not Steven Spielberg. Um, and James Mangold, I'm really excited for him to direct this because he directed Logan. Um, and so if we're talking about conclusions to like epic sagas telling Wolverine's conclusion, telling Indiana Jones's conclusion, uh, I think he could do a really good job. Um, and then with this cast, it's just getting me more excited for it. So uh, hopefully we start to hear a little bit more about it. Uh, I think they're getting ready to start production. I guess they're finalizing their cast options. But uh, yeah, I, I think uh, that's cool. Matt, Mads Mikkelsen, throw him in movies. You know, he's great in Doctor Strange. He's great in... Uh, Rogue One, I'm only naming nerdy movies. Um, he's great in a lot of other things also, but uh, he's great in Casino Royale. Are you kidding me? He's awesome as Lashif. Uh, Lashif is going to be Indiana Jones's villain. Like, how crazy would that be? Um, I am a little bit curious about what version of Mads Mikkelsen we'll get uh, because I'm thinking, like, we're still going to be dealing with Crystal Skull started us dealing with the KGB and whatnot. So I'm expecting a little bit more Russian stuff. Um, that being said, it could be completely different. I mean, there's like Temple of Doom exists, which <laughs> uh, was a much uh, smaller story uh, focused in India. So I don't know. Could be anything. Uh, I think Indiana Jones is just a cool concept in general. So I'm excited. Our next story, I keep having to drink water because I still have that cough from last week or whatever. <clears throat> so I'm trying to keep my throat lubricated. Um, this next thing. Oh, yeah. So this is interesting. This is, this is kind of a fun one to talk about for those of us who aren't involved. Um, but the Predator, the original Predator screenwriters... Uh, are suing Disney over the Predator movie. That's right, the Arnold Schwarzenegger um, Predator movie, uh, which has subsequently had several other Predator sequels, um, also the Alien versus Predator stuff. Um, basically, yeah, so there, there's some... I, I guess there's a clause, maybe, in the, the s original selling of uh so like it says here in this collider article uh predator is the only the latest franchise to go to court because of copyright laws termination rights so i guess the selling had a termination date to where the original writers could retake ownership um so that's pretty interesting um if if they succeed uh which i I don't know. It's like, I get it. Like I definitely want the predator movies to still like have connections to the alien movies, because I think that connection is cool and fun. Uh, but at the same time, there hasn't been too many good predator movies except for predator. And I like predators. So predator and predators for, for me, that's just me. I, I think the AVP movies are, are okay, but they are what they are. And then um, 
that latest Predator movie that came out in like 2018 or whatever. That was a weird movie. It was not great. Um, yeah, it was, it was weird. There was like a good Predator and a bunch of bad Predators. I don't know. I didn't understand it, to be honest. Um, I tried. I tried. That's where I learned that potentially Blade Runner is connected to the AVP universe. But I don't understand that either. So, um, yeah. Uh, but they want the... Uh, the, the rights back because apparently in the sell the tr selling agreement the ip the copyright of the ip transfer uh expires after about 35 years which i guess we are coming up on maybe in 2022 since predator came out in 1987 i don't know maybe it has to do with when they originally started writing that so maybe like 86 or 85 which puts it into 2020 kind of territory uh but yeah, I think that's really interesting. I'm curious to see if we'll see a bunch of other uh, franchises, especially or movies that could be franchises, start getting uh, people suing for ownership rights uh, because they see the potential and the value of these franchises now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, ju I just wanted good Predator movies again because like I said, they, in my opinion, we've had two two good predator movies. Um, I like all the alien movies. I'm the only one who likes that. I like a lot of bad movies apparently. Uh, and so I like all the alien movies. I like the first two predator movies, but yeah, I just hope there's another good predator movie so that with us getting like that alien TV show coming up, um, maybe we could get a predator TV show or something going on at the same time. And then, have another AVP three. Was there an AVP three? I don't think so, but uh, yeah, that would just be something I'd be excited for. Cause I like those movies. They're intense. They're, they're enjoyable. Uh, the next one, um, something that I don't know too much about <laughs> uh, the last of us TV show on HBO uh, has added Gabriel Luna to its cast, Gabriel Luna, uh, to the to us nerds, uh, played Ghost Rider in Agents of Shield. Um, I'm sure he's done a handful of other things, but he is joining um, Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey. Um, Pedro Pascal is going to play Joel. Bella Ramsey is playing Ellie. Gabriel Luna will play Joel's younger brother Tommy. Um, and I, I think that's cool. I mean, I'm glad he's, he's still getting more work. I think he's a good actor. He was in uh, <laughs> Terminator Dark Fate, um, which was, I, I really liked Terminator Dark Fate. I thought it was good. Um, I thought that movie was really good. Uh, so, yeah, get, give him more work. Pedro Pascal's a great actor. I don't know. Bella Ramsey's not a name that really sticks out to me. But... Um, but yeah, The Last of Us being the latest in video game adaptations, maybe. Um, like, I, I hope they do well with it, because uh, video game adaptations can kind of be hit and miss, as we know, as we frequently talk about. And so hopefully this one's not a miss. Um, hopefully it's good enough that I won't have to play The Last of Us games to hear the story um, about this zombie apocalypse that they're trying to live in and are faced with moral quandaries. 
because um, the the video game everyone always tells me it's such a good story so hopefully they're able to capture that's such a good story and i won't have to play the video games just to just to hear it um you know you tell me i could get that story with pedro pascal and gabriel luna that'd be awesome so uh, i'm in you know um next up is now i don't know how to pronounce his name um but from Game of Thrones, uh, Pil- I really don't know how to say his name, but Pilu Azbek, maybe. Um, I'm sorry if I'm just butchering that name, but he played Euron Greyjoy in Game of Thrones. Uh, he's that very snarky guy um, who traveled the seas uh, related to Theon in the show. Um, he is joined. There's a lot of casting news uh, the this week, by the way. So, so that's a fun thing to talk about. We got Mads Mikkelsen. We got um, what I just talked about, Gabriel Luna. We've got Pilu Asbeck, um, Amelia Clark, all sorts of fun stuff. Um, but yeah, so he is joining uh, the Aquaman two cast. Actually, uh, he's and it says. Or I guess it says he's just in talks to join. Um, but normally when it gets to this far, it's pretty pretty much a done deal. Uh, there's some things that are just rumors, but we've had a lot of rumors confirmed as of late. Um, like the She-Hulk casting started as a rumor. Michael Keaton started as a rumor, which we'll talk about in just a second. Um, and so like a lot of things, the Doc Ock started as a rumor, right? Uh, so a lot of things start as rumors, but... Um, 50% of them get confirmed and 50% of them don't, but uh, this sounds pretty likely. Um, but it says that he will be starring opposite Jason Momoa, who plays Aquaman. Now, that's a little weird to me because it very much felt to me that Aquaman 2 should focus on uh, Black Manta, which is Aquaman's traditional archenemy other than his brother, the Ocean Master. Now, Ocean Master was already the villain of Aquaman 1, and supposedly he's Ocean Master's coming back in Aquaman 2. Uh, and now we're adding this character, uh, which we don't know what this character is. But it's just weird to me that like we're adding all this. We're bringing back the villain of Aquaman 1, Ocean Master. Now we're adding in the guy who played Euron Greyjoy. And like, are we just forgetting about Black Manta that was set up in the first Aquaman movie? Uh like where's that showdown you know um maybe they're having trouble i i wonder if this is a thing that like aquaman's supposed to be like this protector between the two worlds between the the underwater atlantis world and humanity right who potentially could always be at odds and like black manta is the is a human um and so to have a human antagonist while aquaman's like trying to protect humanity um i feel like could be a difficult story to tell granted the comics have been doing it forever um and so i just don't understand it i guess i i don't know i don't know what they're doing um i'm kind of hoping for i i think aquaman one is an enjoyable movie it's very excitable uh, but I'm hoping for a little bit deeper of a story in Aquaman 2. Um, but uh, I'm excited about the casting for sure. Uh, I think he's a good actor. Uh, I think he's a very intimidating guy. Uh, he's, he he can act with a lot of charisma. 
um, which depending on the role can be very good. So, and very, very intense. Um, so I'm excited for that. Um, hopefully that comes out. I mean, that was a billion dollar movie. Uh, so hopefully they get going on that production. Uh, man, we are just cruising along. I, I'm wondering if I'm going to finish before an hour, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So let's get into our next story, which is, uh, Michael Keaton's Batman is actually confirmed. I, I know we went, we, there, there was some back and forth stuff that way back when it was like, wow, can you believe Michael Keaton's coming back as Batman? And then it was like, but it is just a rumor. And then Michael Keaton came out and was talking about how um, he thinks he's probably not going to do it, that he has been approached, but he's probably not going to do it because of COVID-19. Now he says he is doing it. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of back and forth. Um, but I am excited that he's doing it. I'm, I'm excited that I, I hope everything's safe for him since he is an old guy. Um, but, you know, Michael Keaton, Batman's awesome. So uh, I, I hope everyone's taking the necessary precautions to protect Michael Keaton, Batman, you know, uh, that should be priority. Uh, but yeah, he's coming back um, in the flash movie as expected. Uh, I think the, almost the more important aspect of this story isn't even, that Michael Keaton's coming back, like confirmed to be coming back as Batman in the Flash movie. But it's that the Flash movie is actually starting production. I'm pretty sure this movie was supposed to come out in like 2018. And then the script went through like probably over 10 rewrites and directors dropping and full cast members leaving. Like I, the only thing, the only constant that remained is that it was about the Flash and Ezra, Mil Ezra Miller's Flash to be specific. That was like the only constant. Um, like, I don't know what the story is about anymore. Is it still going to be Flashpoint or is it just going to be this uh, interdimensional thing with multiple Batman? Because um, I think Ben Affleck's Batman is supposed to be in it. I think Supergirl's supposed to be in it. Uh, so is it just going to be this interdimensional story or will it be specifically Flashpoint? It would kind of, as a fan of the Snyderverse, it would it would still kind of make sense for it to be something of a flashpoint movie um even though it's a little early for like to do the first flash movie as flashpoint i feel like ideally that's the second flash movie cuz you i feel you want to set up every all the dc characters worlds first right you you want to establish them but and then some tragic happens and a series of tragedy strikes and then uh barry wants to go back and save his mom and uh because he's having a tough time and so flashpoint and then resets everything changes everything and then has to change everything again and then that's the new universe it's like a soft reboot you know um it's a soft reboot because it happens within the universe i i think that's the way I define it, at least. I don't know what the, the industry defines it. To me, a reboot is like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man to the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. That's a reboot. Um, but a soft reboot is uh, making it part of the universe, within the universe. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited for this Flash movie. Um, I, I like Ben Affleck Batman. I like Michael Keaton Batman. Uh, so... 
yeah, just give me more of that and I'll be happy. Uh, I, I'm a simple man. Uh, but let's keep going. Um, oh, this is crazy. This is nuts. Uh, so the Lord of the Rings, uh, spin off, I don't even know if we can call this a prequel TV show, but it's not even, it's so far a prequel. It's almost something. Um, it's way back in, I think the second, what do they call them? Era, the second, uh, something second generation. I don't know what they call it in Lord of the Rings. But yeah, Amazon released how much they're going to spend. And this is insane. This is insane. This is so much money. It's a TV show. Remember, it's a TV show. It's not a movie. It's a TV show. This thing's just going to Amazon Prime. Um, so it, it's weird because they give several numbers here. So. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So, so the number they give is, uh, I guess, a New Zealand in New Zealand dollars. <laughs> There's a dollar sign, so I don't know what they call them. But um, 650 million New Zealand dollars, which equates to about 465 million USD. They are spending 465 million dollars on a TV show that. It's the first season. It's not even like season five of the of the Mandalorian, the most popular show around. Like it's not even that. It's of season. Yeah, Lord of the Rings is a recognizable IP, but let's not forget that it might be a recognizable IP, and the Hobbit movies might have made money, but the latest um, fan excitement for the movies maybe isn't so much there again. I like the Hobbit movies. I I've been, I realize I've been talking about a lot of movies that most people don't like today. I think it's because Taylor and Ian aren't here. I can be myself. I can talk about the movies. I don't that I like that no one else likes. So like the Hobbit movies, um, I, I think they're pretty okay. Like, yeah, it's stretched for sure, but I think they're good. I mean, just stop comparing movies to books, you know? Um, now there are a few things that don't make a ton of sense, but ignoring that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then, uh, but yeah, four hundred sixty-five million dollars on this TV show that won't have any Lord of the Rings characters really that we recognize for the most part, like maybe Elrond, but I don't know even know about that. So yeah, it's just weird. It's just weird to me. Um, I, I don't know what, let's see. Um, oh, so I guess maybe this is taking into account that the rights of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. May, maybe this takes this into account, which I guess would be a little bit better that the rights to Lord of the Rings is approximately $250 million. So that's about half of it. Okay, so if that's true, maybe that's better. So then they're really only spending another two hundred fifty million or two hundred ten million to make the show, which is a little bit better. It's still a super expensive show, considering like I'm only expecting there to be like ten episodes. Uh, I think The Mandalorian is a fantastic high budget show. 
There's only eight episodes a season and they make it for less than a hundred million bucks. So I don't know what they're doing with Lord of the Rings. This thing better be beautiful. Um, just like the Lord of the Rings movies, but even still, I just don't see how you get your money back. You know, like granted Amazon prime subscriptions are more expensive than like any other streaming service because they offer the, the Amazon shipping <laughs> in addition to the, the, the video service. But like, I just don't see how you make your money back. It, it doesn't, <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't seem viable to me, but hopefully the accountants <laughs> aren't screwing this one up, but I'm sure Amazon's just got money to throw away anyways. So yeah, if Amazon's going to throw away their movie, their movies, they're hopefully they're not throwing away their movies. If Amazon's going to throw away their money and if their option is to throw it away on stuff like the Lord of the Rings TV show. Yeah, cool. I'm in. <laughs> um, uh, they, they're like the most, they're probably the most valuable company in the country, right? Uh, something like that in the world. Um, maybe. I don't know. Taylor would know more than I do. But uh, they're obviously a very valuable company. So if they, they've got money just to throw around, yeah, it's cool that they'd be throwing it around on making movies and TV shows uh, as someone who watches a lot of movies and TV shows. So, yeah, I'd be into that <laughs> for sure. Uh, but it still seems crazy to me. It, it, it feels very outlandish to me. But hopefully that means they're paying everyone who's, who's doing it very well, right? Like... Uh, I know that there there was talk that like this show is going to have like an incredibly huge cast, um, not necessarily recognizable cast, but a huge cast. Um, so there's that as well. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, a $210 million show, maybe a $465 million show. Just remember that solo, a star Wars story ended up being made for $500 million, give or take, because they had to do that whole rewrites and series of reshoots that basically doubled the budget of the movie to where it became... Uh, I don't know if it was profitable or not. I think It definitely wasn't profitable theatrically, maybe in... Uh, uh, in premium video on demand or in uh, DVD sales, stuff like that, Blu-rays, maybe in that it, it ended up becoming profitable. I don't know. Um, but it was, it was touch and go at the $500 million mark. And so like, and star Wars is obviously a well-known IP. There's a lot of, there's several billion dollar movies in star Wars. And so for something, a $500 million movie did not make its money back. Now let's look at Lord of the Rings, a very popular IP, but, $500 million product. And then this thing's not even going to theaters. It's not even getting, yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't see how it's going to make its money back, but maybe Amazon doesn't care about that because they've just got money to burn. I don't know. Maybe who knows? Um, <laughs> but 465 million. So it's a lot of cheddar. Um, uh, this is kind of the part of the show uh, as we're getting towards the end. There's still several stories, but where we jump into Marvel because I'm a big fan of Marvel of the MCU. Not all of these are MCU things, but uh, let's get into the MCU or the Marvel stuff just before the MCU stuff. 
uh, I didn't realize this. Apparently, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse had three directors. Yeah, the animated movie. Uh, let me pull up their names real quick. The movie had three directors. Uh, it was written by Lord and Miller. Um, or I guess here it says Lord and Rothman. I'd wonder why Miller's name isn't there. I don't know. I don't know how this works. Um, but uh, maybe their company is called that. But uh, it was directed by Bob Parasachetti. I don't know how you say that. Peter Ramsey, Rodney Rothman. Uh, th those are the directors of Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse that animated Miles Morales Spider-Man movie that came out in 2018. Uh, Spider-Verse 2 also using a trio of directors, but none of them are the same. All different directors. We got Joaquin Dos Santos, Kemp Powers, and Justin K. Thompson. Um, and like it's it's pretty interesting that like I could see like you swap out uh one of the directors or two of the directors, but you still have like one of them sticking around to kind of usher in the new guys. Uh, but it is a little weird to me that you would replace all three with three more. It, it's already crazy to me that you have three directors for this movie. I, I traditionally think even having two directors for a movie can be a bad thing. Um, now, there's a lot of instances where it's not a bad thing. I mean, the Russo brothers do it fantastically, and their brothers, like the amount of infighting they must have <laughs> must be tremendous. But, uh, but they managed to turn out a lot of gold, so... Oh, whoops. Uh, but yeah, and so like I think it's it's a little uh, strange to, to have three directors, but it worked for them before, and so they're going to get three directors again. Um, so Kemp Powers, uh, th that's the one that I'm kind of excited about. I, I wasn't, none of the names really jumped out at me. But uh, upon reading into it a little bit, Kemp Powers uh, direct did the uh, worked on One Night in Miami. He was also the co-director of Pixar's Soul, which Soul is a fantastic movie. Soul is awesome. That is a great film. And so, yeah, if uh, Kemp Powers is this award-winning and like very uh he's been making these high quality movies yeah great awesome to see see that kind of talent join a superhero movie right especially an animated superhero movie uh joaquin dos santos and justin thompson uh are according to this article are sony pictures animations veterans but will make their directorial debuts with spider-verse 2 um so Dos Santos is actually from uh, Legend of Korra and Avatar The Last Airbender, Voltron The Legendary Defender, um, also Justice League Unlimited, Teen Titans. So that's cool. I mean, I, I think that fits right into it for sure. He's got the he's got the brain uh, that fits into this kind of nerdy realm. Um, and then Thompson worked on... Uh, he was the production di designer for the first Into the Spider-Verse, so that's cool because I bet that was a big deal. I mean, production designer, I mean, the <laughs> this movie looks different than any other uh, movie. So 
any other animated movie. Uh, he also worked on both Cloudy with Chance of Meatballs movies. So uh, that's cool. Oh, he also worked on Clone Wars and Samurai Jack. Man, this is all right. This is a little bit exciting. See, I, I say I was worried that I'm like, hey, there's three directors. You don't want to have the too many cooks in the kitchen problem, you know? Um, but I guess it worked for the first one. Hopefully these three guys are able to get along just like those three guys to turn out a really awesome sequel. Uh, Lord and Miller are still going to be producers. Um, and uh, there, it turns out Lord and Miller are right, still writing the script, which they wrote the first one uh, alongside the Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings director, David Callahan. Uh so yeah, I mean it's a lot of superhero cannibalism, I guess, <laughs> reusing talent, which that's good. Whenever uh people people involved with good products, hopefully responsible for those good products, continue to get more good work. That's it always exciting. Uh man, now I'm excited for this movie after reading a little bit more of this article. Uh these three directors, I hope they do a really good job with it because Spider-Verse 1 was great. Um, a lot of people argue the greatest version of Spider-Man. Uh, and I'm not going to lie. It's a contender for sure. Um, like, you got to consider it. Like, it's it is, it's a great story. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, hopefully the sequel is just as good. Uh, and then eventually we can see a crazy crossover, right? Uh, sticking in the realm of Spider-Man, like I was talking about crossovers, uh, we know that Alfred Molina is coming back as Doc Ock in Spider-Man No Way Home. We know that Jamie Foxx is coming back in Spider-Man No Way Home as Electra, as Electro. But uh, Alfred Molina recently spoke about Doc Ock's return. Let me see if I can scroll and find the quote. Um. And then, uh, so Alfred Molina said, uh, when we were shooting it, we were all under orders not to talk about it because it was supposed to be some great big secret. Uh, this was an interview with Variety. And uh, but he said, but you know, it's all over the internet. I actually described myself as the worst kept secret in Hollywood, which is probably true. I mean, we, we, we were talking about this months ago. So, <laughs> um, <coughs> But yeah, he, he goes on to say, uh, it was wonderful. It was very interesting going back after 17 years to play the same role, given that in the intervening years, I now have two chins, a waddle, crow's feet, and a slightly, a slightly dodgy lower back. <laughs> um, and then uh, apparently when he was asked... Uh, he, he asked John Watts, the director of Spider-Man Homecoming, Spider-Man uh, Far From Home, Spider-Man No Way Home Now. Uh, he, he asked him, hey, how can Doc Ock come back? He, he's dead. Uh, John Watts said, in this universe, no one really dies. Which, yeah, it's kind of a whole comic book thing that comic book characters don't actually, don't actually die. Except for Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben dies. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, so Alfred Molina uh, coming back. I'm trying to find the main quote that I'm actually looking for. Um, so he he's very concerned about uh, he um 
he he's a lot older. It's been 17 years. And so he looks a lot older than uh, he did in uh, Spider-Man 2. Um, and they said, don't worry about it. Um, did you see what we did to Robert Downey, to RDJ and Samuel Jackson? Um, so it sounds like they're going to be using some of that de-aging technology, which uh, looks pretty good for the most part. Um, except for Luke Skywalker, but I don't know if those were the same people. Uh, that that was not great. Um, but uh, let's see. And um, um, where is it? Oh yeah, and so then he continues saying that uh, he doesn't have the same physicality that he does 17 years ago. I mean, these are superhero movies. I mean, they're action movies, right? They're they're very physical. He he's got to he's got to be able to do the part, right? Um, but of course, the benefit that Alfred Molina even points out is that with Doc Ock, uh, it's the tentacles that do all the work. He has those four appendages. Um, my basical physical move as doc ock as the actor is just this and he glared intensely during the interview i guess um i just do that a lot and the arms are doing all the killing and smashing and breaking i'm just staring uh with a kind of mean look on my face um so that's that's kind of cool um and he's and he's totally right the arms do all the work i mean traditionally i believe in the comics i could be wrong about this but Doc Ock, I believe, has a genetic disease, um, a degenerative disease of his muscles. Um, I don't know what disease specifically, but he has a muscle degenerative disease to where he's basically like limp other than like he can talk. And then he has the tentacles and the, the tentacles kind of keep him mobile. Right. Like he, he like can't really the rest of his body is like immobile for the most part in, in a lot of comic book iterations. So, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it makes sense. I mean, it's perfect. It's kind of the perfect idea. Now, the weird thing um, is that apparently this move, they, there's quotes of him saying this will continue for for doc ock i don't know if the the movie itself will pick up with doc ock but doc ock as a character will pick up right from where spider-man 2 ended with him which is in the water drowning dying right he sacrifices himself to because he feels guilty for everything he's done um to save peter and so it's kind of weird right that they're picking up exactly from where they left off um uh, like yeah i guess you could argue that like oh well he did survive the camera just didn't sit on him long enough for him to crawl his way out of the water but it's it's a little strange because like this doc ock did make a huge sacrifice i mean he was the villain of spider-man 2 but the whole purpose of the it, the climax of that story is is Peter talking him down, talking him off the ledge, truly saving him from himself. Um, and he realizes what a how much bad he's done, and so he takes down the 
fusion reactor or whatever fission reactor fusion reactor i don't remember what it was the reactor um i remember he used tritium <laughs> that's what i remember from that movie uh so yeah and he takes it down and then drowns in the water with himself drowns the device in the water with himself and peter manages to survive but like if he comes back does that ruin the character a little bit and maybe maybe i i, I don't think necessarily him surviving is the ruined part because it's like characters not every not every character has to be darth vader to where in their act of redemption they have to die granted it is a story device that the moment a character gets redeemed you kill them off because like they got redeemed good for them their story is now complete there's not not anything else you need to tell of them <laughs> they 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 were good then they were bad and now they're good again now they can die because we don't want to just keep going back and forth uh that being said uh and so like that's weird right like if they bring him back especially in a villain role that like oh does that diminish the sacrifice that he made for peter in spider-man 2 i don't know i wonder though I i'm very curious what this doc Ock will look like what he'll be acting like. Um, but maybe they'll make an argument that like, maybe he was underwater for so long that like some brain cells died and he's gone crazy and some fun jazz like that. That's really intense. Um, but I mean, obviously I'm super excited for him to come back. I, I was super stoked about hearing this because um, he's a great villain, great superhero villain. But uh, yeah, I'm very curious about how they're going to pick up his story immediately after. Who knows, though? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, next up, just before we get to our last thing, just before we get to the Shang-Chi trailer, uh, Amelia Clark joins Marvel's Secret Invasion. Wow, this is incredible. So this is kind of the first like big casting news we've seen other than the ones we already knew about, which is Samuel Jackson, Ben Mendelsohn, uh, playing Talos and Nick Fury. Uh, but yeah, Amelia Clark joins the cast. It doesn't say um, who sh she's playing, uh, but uh, yeah, it's pretty excited. Let me look up the cast. Maybe there were other... Um, I think she's a pretty good actress. Um, she was great in Game of Thrones for sure. Um, but yeah, there's a couple other cast members, but we don't really know who any of them are playing yet. So that's kind of the big toss up. Obviously, Secret Invasion. Uh, not obviously. Maybe it's obvious. It's obvious to me. But uh, is going to deal quite a bit with uh it's quite a bit with um scrolls maybe it'll deal quite a bit with kree since it the story is traditionally part of this uh scroll kree war but uh yeah i'm certainly intrigued about uh how this is going to go down uh in secret invasion i have my theories about it but they're all kind of loose fast and loose uh, about the show 
Now that being said, my if I were to pick who Amelia Clark was playing, um, I, I had said this when I heard about the Captain Marvel two casting. Um, I believe it was. I don't know how to pronounce her name, but Zawe Ashton. Um, she joined the cast Captain Marvel two, and when I heard that casting. I immediately went to, is this how you spell it? Um, queen Veronke, which is the scroll queen. Um, but now I wonder if we add, because I think the Captain Marvel 2 storyline will be very connected to the Secret Invasion storyline. I believe those two products will be very connected. Uh, along with the Miss Marvel, maybe. But... You have uh, Zawe Ashton and Amelia Clark, um, these two pretty big actresses, and we we don't know either roles that they're in. And so when I heard Zawe Ashton's, I was like, "Oh, she's Queen Veronica." But now I kind of wonder. Okay, now you have Amelia Clark, you know, the queen, the mother of dragons, right? Like, do you make her the Scroll Queen Veronica? So I do think it will be one of those two. Um, and either one, I guess that's exciting, but uh, it would be nice to hear who these people are playing, you know, but I'm expecting one of them two to be Queen Veronica, the Skrull Queen, because she's the main antagonist of the Secret Invasion storyline in the comics. Um, so I think it's going to go there. Now, granted, that that means that the Skrulls kind of do have to be evil, which they haven't been yet in the MCU. Um but I, I think there will be like some sort of maybe there will be a portion of good scrolls led by Talos, Ben Mendelssohn's character. Nice to see him play a hero for a change uh, rather than an antagonist. Uh, while the rest of the scrolls are even invading their own scroll ranks to get closer to Earth, to invade, to replace superheroes and and government officials and all that fun jazz. Um could be fun, but we're definitely ramping up to it. We saw Monica Rambeau get get recruited to Fury, uh, get recruited to Sword, in Sword Fury. I, I don't I don't know how they're separate. Let me put it that way. Um, yet, but uh, yeah, again, that's it's exciting news. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk more about it as we get closer to the production. Um, and finally. We got the Shang-Chi teaser, not trailer. <laughs> the Shang-Chi teaser, it's again, it's two minutes long. It's the trailer. Except it doesn't, it tells us quite a bit, um, but I don't know, it's, it, it's a little weird. Like, I think it's going to be somewhat predictable. Now, this trailer is weird to me. Um, I'm not too fond of this trailer. This is one of the first few trailers I've seen of the MCU that I didn't really like. There were a couple of Falcon and Winter Soldier trailers that I didn't really like. Turns out that wasn't super representative of the show um, because I really like the show. Um, so I'm hoping the same thing's true here. I don't necessarily like the Shang-Chi trailer. Um, I like some of the concepts that they're doing. Uh, I just don't like the way the trailer's cut. That, I guess that's my bigger issue. <laughs> um, 
And it looks like, uh, let me drink some water real quick. It looks like yet again. <laughs> this is kind of something that I think is funny. So everyone was upset with uh, the Mandarin flip-flop in Iron Man 3. This is still kind of a Mandarin flip-flop, except it's revealed to us in the teaser. Uh, the Mandarin in comics... Um, let me let me pull it up real quick so I get this right. Uh, has gone by other names other than the Mandarin. Um, typically, uh, Tem. I don't know how you pronounce this. Um, I'll go with just the closest names. <laughs> uh, Zhang Tong or Zhang Fong, uh, and. Shang-Chi's father in the comics after the Fu Manchu stuff got retconned uh, was Zhang Zhu. Zhang Zhu and Zhang Fong or Zhang Tong are, are different names, different characters. And so this version of the Mandarin is still different. So yes, yes, Trevor Slattery was not the Mandarin in Iron Man 3. Yes, Aldridge Killian was not the Mandarin in Iron Man 3. But now the Mandarin we're getting is still not, not even named the same name as the comic book version of the Mandarin. Um, it's Wen Wu, according to the trailer. Now, maybe they'll do something in the, in the movie that they're like, he has gone by many names, uh, the Mandarin, Wen Wu, Zhang Zhu, and, and just like connect all these Zhang Tong and connect all the names together and be like, same person. Maybe they'll do that, and that would kind of be cool, but uh, I, it, I doubt it. <laughs> um, but there are certain things that look cool. I mean, it looks like a cool kung fu movie, and kung fu movies are inherently cool, so a cool kung fu movie is really cool. Um, but it sounds like he was given 10 years by his father to live a normal life, to learn about the outside world. Um before going back and being Ra's al Ghul's heir. Sorry, uh, not Batman. This is not Ra's al Ghul's heir to be the Mandarin's heir, um, but it's kind of the same thing. <laughs> uh, and so he spends his 10 years. He's got a girlfriend or whatever. Um, it seems like an Aquafina's character, or at least they're just hanging out quite a bit. Um, and then he gets called back by his father to rule at his father's side or take his father's place. I'm not really sure. Um, but obviously he doesn't want to do that because his father is not that good of a person. Um, but the way I see this story is that his father makes that comment um, that we spent years turning you into the deadliest weapon so that no one else could kill you. Um, which makes me think there's going to be uh, quite a bit of factions um, similar to maybe an Iron Fist story, to those of you that are familiar with that, maybe Kingdoms of Heaven will make will play uh, will play in this movie. Um, I don't know if we'll go that or if we'll go the the five uh, I forget what they're called the five weapons or something. Um, something something in there. Uh, I, I don't know exactly which direction we'll get, but I think there will be a lot of factions that will be wanting to destroy the Mandarin, destroy the Mandarin's organization, the Ten Rings, 
maybe it's a fight just for those rings that the Mandarin already has. Um, and so he's kind of torn between, you know, these other factions shouldn't get them either, but his dad's also a bad dude. And so he's kind of torn between, um, but, but uh, between like a rock and a hard place, you know, uh, he's torn between a bunch of bad people. And so, and one of them is his father, <laughs> but they're all warring factions with their own assassin, their own, uh, it, it's almost, uh, dare I say a little bit like Ryan, the last dragon. And I, <laughs> I feel like one of the characters in this looks ex is dressed up exactly like Raya from Ryan, the last dragon, which I think is funny. Uh, but it's a little bit like that, that like there's a warrior from each clan that will make a play for the Ten Rings or the territory or something. And it's a little bit Mortal Kombat that Shang-Chi will have to fight off each warrior um, and defeat them <coughs> to prove his worth kind of thing as uh, a Kung Fu master. <laughs> um and that is the way the movie looks to me. Um, and then I'm sure uh, after he refuses his father somewhat early in the movie, uh, his father will also be sending his own assassins after his son, since his son is the deadliest weapon, Shang-Chi. Um, and so it'll be interesting. Uh, <laughs> the, the movie, yeah, like I said, the trailer seems a little weird. I think a lot of the jokes in the trailer don't land for me. Um, I think though, at first when I saw the bus scene, I was like, oh, are we going to get a speed moment? Because that movie's awesome. I was really hoping for that. And then it started crashing into all those cars. And I was like, oh, maybe not. Um, and then that line, oh, it's like, to me, it's such a bad line. Like, I feel like that line can almost never be delivered well. Um, which is how the trailer ends. And I think that's what it's ends on such a bad note for me that we make a good team that like, you can't say that, right? Like that's such a weird line. Like we make a good team. That's like just out of the blue being like, I trust you like for no reason, like the, uh, no stakes. I trust you, you know, that, that doesn't mean anything. Uh, <laughs> But, but yeah, the, we make a good team. It's such a weird line. Like, I feel like it can't be delivered effectively outside of like a romantic, uh, melancholy tone. But in this moment it's delivered after a bus crash. <laughs> and like, to me, that's it's like, Oh, we make a good team. Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, out of circumstance, um, like nothing more than that. Like that's so weird to me. Um, Deadpool could deliver the line though, uh, in any emotion, very sarcastically. I feel like the line has to be delivered very sarcastically. Like we make a good team, <laughs> and then look at the bus crash in the background. <laughs> like it's like, oh, maybe not. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It is a weird line to me. But maybe with more context in the movie, it will make more sense. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm still excited for it. I mean, uh, I think the actor, oh, sorry, choking here. Uh, the actors in the movie are all very talented. So I think we'll get some good, but I, I'm just hoping, uh, 
that with the context <laughs> that the movie provides, because I think the beginning of the trailer, uh, the tone. I, I also think the 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 tone that the music is setting up doesn't necessarily match the visuals <clears throat> and match Wenwu's words that we have. That's I, I don't know what the song is in the background, but it just doesn't seem to fit Wenwu being like, "We trained you for ten." And for 10 years, we let you live your life and look what you wasted it with. Um, and now you need to come back and defend wherever. Uh, and, and so like, yeah, it felt like a, it felt like a tone mismatch that, that I think was my biggest complaint is the tone mismatch between the music they were playing and when Wu's words. Uh, but other than that, looks like a cool Kung Fu movie and Kung Fu movies are cool. So hopefully we get some good um, MCU hasn't failed me yet. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm still excited. I just think the the teaser wasn't necessarily my cup of tea. Hopefully the trailer's a little better um, and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, uh, like I said, this is probably gonna be a short show uh, because it's just me. Uh, but yeah, don't forget to catch us Saturday where we will be talking the Falcon and Winter Soldier finale and its impacts to the MCU and this just breaking down the whole story uh, that was told there. We'll be doing that Saturday noon Eastern time. So catch us on twitch.tv slash unanimous indecision um, and share your thoughts and theories about the episode and the show um, and how much you're looking forward to Loki or whatever. Um, also, uh, we will be taking a break next Saturday, I believe. I could be wrong. Maybe maybe we'll have a show. <laughs> but I think we're taking a break next Saturday. And then we will be continuing the following Saturday with The Bad Batch, the latest in Star Wars animated shows, a uh, sequel series to The Clone Wars. Um it uh the trailer looks better than i expected the concept to be so uh, i'm excited for it um i wasn't initially but now now i'm getting there more and more you know the closer we get uh so that'll be an exciting one to talk about and then next wednesday uh the movie that we will be reviewing uh live at 5 p.m eastern time on twitch is let me get my movie list out oh that's right it's finally here this movie, Ian's most anticipated. I hope he doesn't kill me for this, but <laughs> um, he'll be he'll be really upset. But whatever, Ian's most anticipated movie of twenty twenty one, Mortal Kombat, is next week's movie review. I think Ian's even supposed to be back for that, so uh, it'll be great. It'll be a good one. Uh, yeah, uh, the latest in video game adaptations. Uh, hopefully this one lands since we're kind of on this, something of a somewhat hot streak of video game movies um, between Detective Pikachu and I would. Yep, that's the only one I got. <laughs> Monster Hunter was OK. Um, so, yeah, uh, Mortal Kombat next week in all its brutalities and fatalities, uh, obviously not a family film. But yeah, that's next week, 5 p.m. Eastern time, Wednesday where we'll be talking that and the standard movie news of whatever gets leaked, released uh, in this coming week. Uh, so thank you all for listening. 
I'm Joshua Troop. This is Unanimous Indecision. We'll catch you next time.